Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 20 of the Smackdown Wind Down, recapping the highs and lows from Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 20 of the WrestleSotopia Network comes to a close. Happy Saturday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as we bid adieu to another crazy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW. And I want to give all of you a shout out for being incredibly supportive this week. You've made week 20 very special and incredibly busy for yours truly, as I did not one, not two, not three, to quote Biggie, three ain't enough, I need five podcast to help you through a very busy week in WWE and AEW. And I can happily say I'm going to go on a mini break tomorrow as I will not be recapping Backlash immediately after the show goes off the air. But I will be a part of the five-star pot splash with Stephen DeFilippis and company on Monday, and we're going to air that show probably later on in the week, and I will let you know where to find me on Steven's podcast, as he so graciously appeared on mine to do the greatest backlash prediction show ever a couple of days ago right here on the WST Network, and you can listen to the full show, get our thoughts on the pay-per-view for tomorrow night, and wonder loudly, will Edge and Randy Orton have the greatest match Ever And I love how Orton and Edge are making light of this tagline and to say, well, it ain't going to happen, but we're still going to give you a show nonetheless. And we got to appreciate the effort from both men for that. So going on break after this show, mini break, a day or two to just relax and unwind. But thank you so much for tuning in this week to everything WWE and AEW. Your support means the world to me. And as always, you know what to do. Download, subscribe, and listen on demand anywhere, anytime on your favorite podcast directories. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. So you know what to do. Hit that button, listen in anytime. Get caught up on 70 plus episodes of wrestling goodness to help you through your week, your weekend, and everything in between. And a big virtual hug and kiss to you all because you are the true MVPs around here. Without further ado, let's take a deep dive into all things Friday Night Smackdown as you show emanated per the usual. Until further notice, from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, last night was the culmination of the Intercontinental Championship Tournament with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles in the finals in a classic match I would get into momentarily, but first... We had a contract signing featuring Jeff Hardy and Sheamus heading into their match of Backlash this Sunday at 7 Eastern on the WWE Network. And before they could sign their names on the dotted line, cross the I's and dot the T's, Sheamus required Jeff Hardy to undergo a drug test in the ring with a doctor in tow. And Jeff Hardy agrees. He steps in his partition and he pees in the cup comes back out, the doctor holds up this big cup of urine and it's very full and Seamus says, wow, you had a busy night during happy hour. And we have rapid fire test results ongoing with the doctor putting some kind of tube in the cup. And during this time, Jeff Hardy says, you know what? It's better to be pissed off 
then pissed on, he grabs a cup and he slings his piss directly in Seamus's face. And the telegraphed of all telegraph spots as Seamus showed horror and disgust as the fans chanted, you got pissed on. And apparently according to FCC regulations, maybe one piss off word per hour, because after that you get bleeped and Seamus sewed it beautifully. He showered and the doctor after the commercial break states he passed his test and Seamus still got a golden shower for his troubles to end the segment. Overall, I heard rumblings about what was going to happen during the opening segment of SmackDown and I just shook my head. I wasn't offended. I wasn't disgusted. This is par for the course for WWE. Vince McMahon loves toilet humor and at least the heel got his canuppance by having urine thrown directly in his face. But I will say this, nothing piss related will quite top Chris Jericho back in the year 2001 taking a teapot and pissing in it and William Regal drinking said piss and Jin saying it's a little bit tart <laughs> and selling it and the fans are saying ew and uh, and just having the greatest reactions because Regal is that good at his job and still is even as the general manager of NXT in the year 2020. But Seamus sold it very nicely and I'm still not a huge fan of the storyline. There is something about sobriety that is precious and it shouldn't be trivialized or weaponized in WWE. And I don't care that Jeff Hardy signed off on it, but these indiscretions did not happen over the last 15 years. And then it stopped cold turkey. This is a culmination of issues that has continued into last year. And that is something that is extremely delicate and Hardy is in this battle every single day for the rest of his life and it's something we shouldn't play with. It's something that we should not joke about because someone's sobriety is literally in your hands with the storyline and he might have a clear head right now and that's wonderful but at the end of the day we need to provide a PSA for people that are going through addiction so it's not trivialized or marginalized in a big way and Seamus did a mock one during the p-test but that was all comical and done for hee-hees and ha-has and heat for the heel I just want WWE to be aware of what you're doing and how you're doing it and for Jeff Hardy you have creative license to do whatever you want to do but we don't want breadcrumbs leading us back to if something horrible happens and we could point to WWE for exploiting his past for the clicks on social media and for a cheap pop in the ratings for a week. So I expect the match between Sheamus and Hardy to be good, but it didn't need this for it to be extra special. Let their work speak for itself and we would have been good. But here we are, Sheamus ate a golden shower, good for him, Jeff stands tall, good for the baby face, but at the end of the day, this is still a little bit too tawdry for my taste. There was a powerful moment featuring the New Days, Kofi Kingston and Big E. They made their way to the ring, they slid inside, they took a knee and raised their fists to signify that Black Lives Matter. And they had the armbands of Breonna Taylor and some other victims of the movement to signify that their voices and their lives mattered. And it was powerful, it was beautiful, and I was incredibly proud of Biggie and Kofi for using the WWE platform and taking complete advantage of this moment in our time. 
and they followed things up by facing Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro in a tag team match. It was solid, but on a pay-per-view with the titles on the line, they can do so much more and be more elaborate and just give you a show from beginning to end. And it looks like you're going to get that in the very near future as Shisuke Nakamura got the knees up after Kofi attempted a crossbody from the top rope and picked up the surprise win on Kingston as Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura are gonna possibly vie for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. I'm not mad at that in the slightest. These four guys can tear it up in the ring and I expect magic to take place whenever this bout occurs. Now, unfortunately, the champions lose yet another non-title match, but that's per 50-50 booking in WWE land. And do we truly expect anything different in this day and age? Sad, but true. Next is professional wrestling excellence on display. We have hyped this match for two weeks. Word on the internet street was that it was unbelievably great that Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles tore down the PC during the finals of the IC Championship Tournament. And with my own two eyes, I can safely say they did just that for 40 minutes which is a rarity unless you're doing some kind of gauntlet match on Raw or SmackDown. So this match was on pay-per-view at a WrestleMania, Money in the Bank, or Backlash. This would be a hard match to follow anywhere because it was that great. Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, I have admired their work for years and they know what to do between those ropes. They know how to tell a story, to hook you by doing the most easiest thing, targeting a body part, an arm for an arm, a leg for a leg. Let's lock in as many submissions as we can. Let's stump on these body parts. Let's sell these injuries. Let's shake the pain off. Let's continue to apply submission holes, even though it hurts like hell. Let's go aerial offense. Let's take the trainees inside the WWE PC on a ride and they're tired and they're ready to go home, but we're going to give them a show and a free lesson on how to work a match to perfection, to give you the art of professional wrestling on full display. And you could hear the genuine enthusiasm from the PCers to say, damn, they did that. This was a match that was extremely methodical surgical, psychological, and everything you need in order to add value to the IC title that needs so much value in 2020. Corey Graves narrated a very good video package on the lineage of this championship, of what it means to be a champion, that it is a stepping stone to become the world champion eventually. And it's something that you should be proud to hold and the challengers should be willing to take from you at a moment's notice. And in recent years, along with the United States Championship, it has not meant a whole lot. And hopefully this standard of excellence that two season best can elevate this belt to new heights and make it feel special is a testament to their abilities. And Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles did that. I love the work with the arms that AJ targeted Bryan's arm and Bryan returned the favor with crazy stomps and joint manipulation, crazy submissions, shaking off the pain in order to apply those moves. And then the closing sequence 
gorgeous as Brian stumps a mud hole to AJ Styles' face. He sets up the running knee, gets blocked with the Styles Clash. AJ is too tired to make the cover, but he recovers long enough to hit the phenomenal forearm for the victory to win his first IC title in his career to cap off being quite possibly one of the greatest WWE champions of all time. And he's right. Just think about this, four years ago, when AJ Styles debuted in WWE, we were worried because the New Japan resume spoke for itself, but it's Vince. How will Vince look at AJ Styles? And remarkably so, he saw AJ as a star, as someone that can go between those ropes, be dynamic as a babyface and a heel, be a damn good promo, and bring out the absolute best in his opponents. And last night was no exception. Look at Daniel Bryan in WWE for 10 years, going through incredible highs and lows, getting fired for choking out Justin Roberts during the most recent 10-year anniversary of the debut of the Nexus to coming back at SummerSlam a couple of months later and then languishing for a time before winning the Money in the Bank briefcase for SmackDown in 2011, becoming champion at the end of that year and getting beat in 18 seconds of WrestleMania to Sheamus only for the fans in Miami to chant yes, 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 over and over again to start a movement. Team Hell No with Kane wins the WWE Championship against John Cena at SummerSlam 2013, then gets screwed out of the title because he's a B-plus player. And by happenstance, due to CM Punk leaving the company in January of 2014, after the Warrior Rumble, D. Bryan finds his way in the main event to win the big one, to win the championship. And then we know what happens after that. Injuries, retirements, coming out of retirement, becoming WWE champion again, being the planet's champion, and elevating everyone he works with, from Styles to Kofi Kingston to Buddy Murphy to even Eric Rowan and Roman Reigns along the way. This is the power and testament to Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles being a multiple-time WWE champion, being on the cover of 2K19 a couple of years ago. To see these two guys on television and they're given 40 minutes to show out. Vince's go out there and work. I trust you to put on a classic for the people. And they did it. And I was engrossed the entire time. The commercials, I will say, hampered it a little bit, but overall, the work was exceptional. The selling was exceptional. The work rate was phenomenal, to quote AJ Styles. Everything they did counted and mattered, and I was proud to be a wrestling fan to watch this excellence on display. And my only hope is that WWE puts so much behind this match, and they hype the prestige of being Intercontinental Champion, that this needs to be AJ Styles's opportunity to have blowaway matches because he can do it still at 42, 43 years old, he still got it. And it was a little bit negated last year because you had to beat your opponent's ass and they sold, 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 and they weren't elevated. And I'm specifically pointing out to Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, and it was not AJ's fault because if he had his home bearings to put a match together, they would have a full-on classic battle that would elevate those gentlemen to new heights. And I hope AJ can do that now as the new IC champion. And if Matt Riddle is going to debut next week on SmackDown, 
that I'm going to need Riddle and Styles one-on-one because if you remember last fall in NXT during the Survivor Series angle that was meant to elevate NXT as a brand, there is a six-man tag team match featuring the OC and Riddle and his two partners are drawing a complete blank for me at the moment, but his interaction with AJ Styles for two minutes was outstanding. So give them 20 on a pay-per-view and I'm good. So I'm looking forward to that. So the verdict on Brian and Styles, did they have the best match during the empty arena era thus far? And my answer is they had the best television match during the empty arena era thus far. Will I say it was the best WWE match I've seen this year? It's probably in my top three because I can't discount TakeOver Portland. I can't discount some WrestleMania matches, even McIntyre and Rollins at Money in the Bank from last month. So I don't want to say, oh, it's the greatest match I've seen so far this year. It's one of the best by far. My critique would go, the commercials hurt it ever so slightly. If this was a straight match on pay-per-view, absolutely. With the commercials, it hurts a bit, but still, two of the very best going at it, doing what they do best for 40 minutes, and you have the trust of everyone in the back. That is a remarkable feat, to say the least. And now it is time for our main event segment, featuring Otis and Tucker Heaven Machinery back together once again, thank goodness for that, and Braun Strowman teaming up against Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, and John Morrison, the besties in a six-man tag team match. This was fine, but the match broke down after we saw a camera cut backstage to Mandy Rose watching her man on the monitor, and King Corbin accuses Mandy of putting Otis up to putting on his crown last week as a practical joke, and she says no. You know, it was all in good fun, nothing to take too seriously, and Corbin suggests that Mandy is drawn to power and his magnetism and that she wants him. And Otis sees this, he runs from his match, goes backstage and beats Corbin's ass as we go to commercial. And I immediately wondered, is this a way to drive a wedge between Tucker and Otis because Otis is leaving his best friend high and dry for his girl in a spur of the moment reaction. But sure enough, when Tucky was in dire straits, Otis did come back out with his peach Mandy Rose in tow as she saw the action unfold. He got the hot tag and he went to town on everyone as he gave Strowman the instructions after Miz and Morrison took him out of ringside earlier to run through everyone. He ran through Miz, ran through Morrison by pouncing him against the plexiglass barricade before Otis set up Ziggler with the caterpillar and elbow drop for the one two, three, everyone is happy as SmackDown goes off the air with the baby faces standing tall. This was a fine main event segment, nothing special to write home about. Otis continues to look strong, no tease of a possible money in the bank cash in and his tag team partnership with Tucky is strong for now and Mandy Rose remains his loving peach through and through. As for the Universal Championship match on Sunday between Braun Strowman and Miz and Morrison in a two on one handicap match. If you listen to my prediction show with Steven DeFilippis that dropped on yesterday, you already know the answer to that. And if you don't know the answer to that, here's a spoiler alert, I don't care. Braun Strowman is the weakest champion in the WWE ecosystem at the moment. And I love John Morrison. 
and I like The Miz, but they have no prayer on Sunday unless there's gonna be an upset of upsets. But to me, the universal champion should be a worker that can grab your attention, that can give you what you want in any variety in which you want it in the ring. And Strowman for me isn't that guy. He's lost his luster over the last couple of years and he is a cold as ice champion. His promos are very wooden and I just don't sense him being that guy to carry SmackDown. I sense an AJ Styles as IC champion to do it better than Strowman is right now as being the main, main champion. And I see a guy like Matt Riddle making his debut next week being a potential difference maker on Friday nights. And I don't see that in Strowman. And it's unfortunate because we saw it two or three years ago during his great feud with Roman Reigns. And since then, it's lost his luster and its impact. And I'm not blaming him, but I do hold him responsible for the promos that whatever material he's given, he does not deliver it well. There's no gusto, there's no passion, except when he won the IC title a couple of months ago, I believe that, but this hammy delivery as of late isn't doing it for me. And his match for his championship with Miz and Morrison is what, fifth in terms of importance? Maybe six to be extra shady, but it is what it is. So hopefully we will juice up this main event scene surrounding the Universal title in the weeks to come, possibly with the return of Bray Wyatt this Sunday to set up Extreme Rules for July on the WWE Network. Overall, SmackDown was a decent show carried by Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles vying for the Intercontinental Championship in a classic match that will definitely hold up when we look back at the year 2020 in a few months time. On that note, this wraps up episode number 20 of the SmackDown Wind Down, recapping the highs and lows from Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at LadyWrestlingX. You can find me tweeting about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, AW Dynamite, NXT, and Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Feel free to download past episodes recapping everything WWE and AEW dating back to the Raw verdict number one from January 28th, recapping the fallout from the 2020 Warrior Rumble all the way through this show and the greatest backlash prediction show that is now playing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify with extra special guest co-host Stephen the Philippus from the Five Star Pot Splash. Get the complete breakdown and rundown for the card, which will air tomorrow night at 7 Eastern on the WWE Network. I'll be back Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern with episode number 21, Lucky 21, of the Raw Verdict recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show Monday Night Raw until Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Backlash and your Manic Monday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.